Welcome to Earl Stewart on Cars with Earl and Nancy Stewart. Reach them with your questions at 877-960-9960. Here's Earl and Nancy. Everybody, we're back. By we, I mean uh, Earl Stewart on Cars, which is, of course, the name of the show, and uh, a team of auto experts uh, that are going to be here for two hours from 8 to 10. That is if the music ever stops playing. So we can, you can hear me, and there it is. The music is dying out now. And uh, my name is Earl. I'm a recovering car dealer. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that I've been in the business for about half a century. As a matter of fact, uh, this is my 50th anniversary as a car dealer. And uh, I and, say and for and better than... Daddy. Well, yes, well, thank you very much. Congratulations. And for the better, for the better half of that uh, 50 years, I was doing business the wrong way as a retail car dealer. And so I've kind of changed my life and my business, I like to think, for the better. And among the things that I've done for the better is this show, Earl Stewart on Cars. And all I always have to say, because this is the true oldie station, and this is musical mainly, there are some talk shows, this is one of them, uh, we're not going to sing for you. This is all about consumer advocacy. We're here to help you buy a car, lease a car, repair or maintain your car without being ripped off by your car dealer. And that's a sad fact. That's kind of a oh, brutal statement, is it? It's uh, I don't pull any punches on the show. Uh, we have a mystery shopping report. You'll see what I mean when we read the mystery shopping report about not pulling punches. Uh, we tell it like it is. We name names. Uh, we name instances. Uh, total transparency. I don't know of a radio show that is more transparent. We've been on the air for over, I'm going to say 11 years. I've been saying 10 years. Too long, I think. I think the clock is... 13. 13, years. oh my. Oh. The clock is ticking. Oh, that's, that's scary. 13 ticking. years. 13 maybe, years. Maybe longer. Oh my. I was just counting videos yeah. going back and forth. So for 13 years, every week, we've been talking to South Floridians. We've been doing mystery shopping reports. That's where we send a secret shopper undercover into a car dealership somewhere in South Florida. Very exciting. Uh, we go in, pretend to buy a car, maybe lease a car. We go in usually on an advertisement. And uh, we name the dealership. We name the salesperson, uh, the sales manager. We tell you exactly what transpired. And a lot of the time, it's not so good. As a matter of fact, the mystery shopping reports are of such a quality, meaning uh, anti-consumer, I mean, that's a mild way to put it, uh, we have to grade on the curve because we score the mystery shopping reports. And we have to grade on the curve because we, if we grade it on the absolute basis, A, B, C, D, we couldn't pass anybody. Very few of the car dealerships have ever passed one on an absolute basis. So we score on the curve. Uh, that's just uh, one thing. Rick has a comment. Maybe we ought to have a super list, like the 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 gold list, a platinum uh, level. Unfortunately, there's no one yet that's the, made the, the gold. The Honor Society. The Honor Society, well, yep. But we should. I, I've, I, I've, I've often thought about soliciting car dealers uh, with the Earl Stewart uh, seal of approval and have a list of standards and say to the car dealership, if you adhere to these standards, you'll be on the recommended list of the certified Earl Stewart dealers. 
And, of course, dealers' ego will not permit them to do this. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the dealers out there listening to the show, and there are car dealers out there listening to the show, I promise you, they're laughing at the mere thought of being an Earl Stewart certified dealer. Anyway, it's not about them. It's not about me. It's not about Rick Kearney, Nancy Stewart, Stu Stewart, my son, the folks in the studio. It's all about you. We just want to make your life a little easier. And I always tell you, to your regulars, bear with me, Gallup Poll on Honesty and Ethics and Professions every year since 1977 has scored car dealers at the bottom. They're not honest and they're not ethical, simply put. Uh, there are a few that are, but most of them aren't. And the ones that we have on our recommended dealer list, as I say, we score on the curve. So statistically, the chances are when you go out to buy or lease a car, maintain or repair your car, statistically, you're going to have a bad experience. And we're going to help you. Uh, no one is better equipped, and I, I hate to pat myself on the back, but I will, because I've been there and I've done that. I mean, I've been a car dealer for a long time, and I did it the way the other guys did it. I uh, used unfair, deceptive advertising. I used uh, just a shoddy sales tactics, bait-and-switch advertising. Mm -hmm. uh, advertising cars that I knew wouldn't be bought. I can remember back in the 70s and 80s advertising Pontiac Grand Prix, and I would order them. Back then, you could do this without air conditioning. <laughs> and I'd order them with a stick shift. <laughs> Who wants that? Uh, right here I am. I'm ordering Grand Prix with stick shifts. I think it had a radio. That was the only other option. No power steering and no air conditioning. And I had the, the price was $5,999. I think it was actually below my cost because I wanted to shock. And I ran these ads on the Palm Beach Post. And uh, the, fun, the joke is on me. Because uh, as I did this, we were selling them. And the idea was to have them come in, you know, bait and switch, bait, come in. And they see, they came out on the bait and they say, well, I didn't realize the car didn't have a, an air conditioner. I didn't realize I had a stick shift. But then that's cheap. Yeah, it's cheap. <laughs> and so we had, we had, there was a group of people that liked those cars. Of course, remember, that was back in the 60s and 70s, so... Different story now. Bait and switch advertising, not a good thing. We did it. All the dealers are doing it now. I challenge you. As a matter of fact, I will pay you $100 if you can find me an advertisement online, television, newspaper, any advertisement of a car, a new car, that you can buy for the advertised price. Okay. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a scary I mean and I promise you I'm not lying if you I would love to pay the hundred dollars you'll have to show me the ad tell me where it is online I'll verify it but now I'm not talking about adding sales tax and I'm not talking about adding um, license plate that's acceptable out the door price plus tax and tag show me an out the door price that you can buy the car for advertised and I'll pay you a hundred dollars now, isn't that sad? And what does the Attorney General think about that? What does the Better Business Bureau think about that? What does the County Office of Consumer Affairs think about that? They know what's going on, and they let it go on and on, and they just look the other way. Yep. And you're used to it. You've been buying cars that way for so long, you just accept it. And you go through the, the agony, and you go through the purchasing process, which is painful, 
and then you go back four years later and you do it all over again. So here we are to help you. Now, I was off on a rant here, and I'm going to introduce our panel that have been with me for a long time, Rick Kearney. Uh, Rick Kearney is an auto computer scientist. You say, well, what's that? Well, I'll tell you what's that. Here, here's, a, here's an ad in uh, today's Wall Street Journal, I think it is. It's talking about the fact that Detroit is going strictly to software. It's becoming software. The auto manufacturers are no longer auto manufacturers. They're software manufacturers. Your car is a rolling computer. So Rick Kearney used to be a mechanic back in the, the day, and then he became an auto technician. And now he's an auto computer scientist. So Rick's been with me for 20-plus years. There's nothing that the man doesn't know about a car. Well, well good morning, good, everybody. Well, yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, you gotta, you gotta admit, you, you, you've learned a lot. Oh yeah, and I still do every day. You do, and that's the key. Every day, that's the key. Yep. If you find an uh, auto technician or a mechanic or a computer scientist, whatever you want to call them, and they're not going to school four or five times a year, hmm. then they're not staying up to it. Just like a doctor, you know, I sometimes uh, get nervous when I have to visit a doctor that's older. I like to have someone that's been to medical school fairly recently, yeah. and I want to have a doctor that stays on top of his trade. And this is what Rick Kearney does. I like mid thirties is good. Mid thirties, uh, even forties. I mean, and sixties is fine if they stay on top of their trade. Yeah. It's hard to do. A lot of people yeah. don't want to do that. They get their shingle, they hang it up. Yeah. I as an auto technician, and that's what they do for yeah. the rest of their lives. Because Rick's getting pretty old. Yeah, I'm getting up there. Yeah, yeah. I'm but you're on top of it though. Yeah, I see a gray hair. I'm almost as old as used to. <laughs> oh wait, no, I'm a month older, aren't I? Yes, you are. <laughs> and then we have sitting to Rick's right is Nancy Stewart, and uh, she is a female consumer type advocate. She's a consumer advocate. Period. Uh, she's my wife. She's my co-host. Um, she accompanies me on speaking engagements. Uh, we just attended the 50th anniversary for Southeast Toyota reunion or celebration, I guess it is, in Boca Raton together. And uh, she's part of the team. And she loves to talk to the ladies because the ladies seem to be picked on a little bit more than normal. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And Stu Stewart. Stu Stewart. I've been with you for... 50-plus years. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I, th I think of Stu as a millennial, but he's not. I, I guess just because he's my son. Right. And he's removed. He's once removed from uh, millennials. And uh, it's so important to have a guy that uh, understands the social media. Uh, I sent him an email this morning. I was shocked. You may be shocked to hear this, too, that 65% of adults over 50 years of age use Facebook. Now I used to be a little bit concerned. I knew Facebook was for the older, and the and the, and the uh, Instagram was for the younger. But I didn't realize two thirds of adults over fifty are Facebook people. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's uh, uh, shocking. Now we are streaming this right now on live Facebook, by the way. So if uh, you're going in and out on the radio, ninety-five point nine or one hundred six point nine, uh, and you want to hear a clear signal, you can stream us. And if you're a Facebook person, you just go to facebook.com forward slash Earl Stewart, Earl on Cars. Earl on Cars. Facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Here we are, living color, 
I'll wave at you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Stu does the rest of it, too, the Snapchat, the Instagram, and the texting. Um, we get a we get a feed of posts on our Facebook all the time. So if you want to ask us a question anytime, 877-960-9960, for you folks that use, still use telephones, 877-960-9960. And for you texters, texters is almost, re- I think they are replacing telephones to a large extent. Texters. Uh, I hate the phone. Well, you know, I, I have, I, I like it and I don't like it. Texting forces people to be concise because you wear your thumb out or your fingers out if you if you go on and on. And you get somebody on the phone sometimes, you know, you all know those people. Right. That's why I hate the phone. They go on <laughs> and on. So you text us at 772-497-6530. That's 772-497-6530. Or post on Facebook. And last week, I think we got more posts. And we did text, or it was close. Yeah, we had a flood. Love to hear your comments. Love to hear your constructive criticism. Oh, and Jonathan in the control room always reminds me of something that I forget, very important. And that's our anonymous feedback. You can talk to us directly, and it comes through as anonymous. We don't know who you are. For you car dealers out there, because I know, I know you hate me for what I do. And if you have something that you want to say to me that you're afraid to call, because you never call, you never text, a few do, very, very few, write this down. It's anonymous feedback. It's simply www.youranonymousfeedback.com. What could be easier? Youranonymousfeedback.com. Love to hear from you. You can ask questions that way. Uh, Better that you text for your questions. But if you have something you just don't want to know the source, you might work for a car dealership, and you might have something you want to report. Uh, It's kind of like a whistleblower's hotline almost. People out there in companies, uh, did you know the federal government has a law that says that if you are contracted with the federal government or you are a government company, so to speak, you must have... (coughs) A whistleblower's hotline, anonymous. If something's going wrong and you want to talk about it, because whistleblowers can get fired. Whistleblowers can get murdered. The Saudi Washington Post columnist, he was a whistleblower. Yes, he was. So if you fear for your life or you fear for your job. Cut up like a honey-baked ham. Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you just tuned in. You're listening to Earl Stewart on Cars right here at the Oldies Channel. Ladies, I've got $50 for the first two new lady callers, and uh, we would like you to join us this morning and enjoy the benefits of the show. Questions, opinions, our information, hopefully entertaining you, and we'd love you to be part of the show. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960. Or as Earl said, you can text us if you're a little shy at 772-497-6530. We're going to talk about uh, a, a lot of topics. We're going to go over the uh, mystery shopping report as we always do. Uh, again, I'll remind all of you to please be part of that mystery shopping report. Vote how you feel about our mystery shopping report. And uh, hey, how did you like the latest news about thieves targeting 
car's airbags. They've gotten desperate. They used to break in and take your radio, your stereo equipment, but uh, that's not uh, that's not how it flies anymore. So stay with us, join us, be part of the show. As I always say, you are an important part of the show. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And most of all, we thank you for joining us, because without you, we have no show. We're going to go to uh, Tina, who is a regular caller. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Great. How are you doing? <clears throat> I'm doing good. Um, I just sent you a link, and this is a subject that we've talked about before. It's been a little while, though, but there was a gentleman that owned Palm Auto Mall in uh, Pinellas Park, Florida, and just recently he got arrested for not paying off trade-ins. Mm. So this is yet another thing that everybody that wants to buy a used car or a new car has to watch out for. If you don't go to a reputable dealer, and I use reputable very loosely because, as you just talked about, dealers, they're right down there with politicians. So if you go to a quote-unquote reputable dealer, you're not going to run into this problem. But with anyone else that doesn't have a good track record or doesn't have a good history, uh, it's something you need to be concerned of. And, you know, Earl, I have to wonder... If someone is buying a used car at a used car lot, maybe they should say, okay, you know, I'll let you have my used trade-in, but I'm going to wait until the deal goes through, and I'm going to wait until you pay off my trade-in before I actually take delivery of the vehicle. I mean, that may be the hardball tactic you have to play in order to be sure that you're protected as a consumer. Tina, that that would be a conservative, uh, careful way to go about it. I, you know, I want to add one thing. There's there's probably... The- more than being dishonest, uh, well, I won't say it's, when you don't pay off your trade and you sell a car, uh, the, the you don't pay off the customer's trade and you sell a car, uh, that's dishonest. But sometimes the motivating factor is uh, uh, lack of cash. And unfortunately, car dealers sometimes get in financial trouble <laughs> and they mean to pay the car off, but they just don't have the cash. I think that could apply to all thieves. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but I, I, I know some good people, yeah. and I won't name any names, but I have friends, frankly, in the car dealership business that were good people. And uh, you know, we have recessions, and I'm not making excuses for anyone. I'm just saying uh, Tina's point is ex- exceptionally important because you might find a dealer that's been in business for a while, and he is an honest person, and he falls on hard times, and you run low on cash. And think about it. Uh, when you sell a car, I sell a car to Rick Kearney. I might make $1,000 when I sell the car. And then I've got Rick Kearney's car that has owes $10,000 on his trade-in. Now, I've only got $5,000 in the bank. Now, I made $1,000 when I sold Rick the car. Now I've got to pay his car off, which I owe him. That was part of the deal. That was part of the transaction. But I've got to write a check for $10,000. I've only got $5,000 in my bank account. So the dealer says to himself, I won't pay it off right away because next week I'm going to sell a bunch of cars and I'll have the $10,000 to pay it off. And that's how the ball starts to roll. And it's something that's very dangerous. And Tina's point is extremely important because a lot of car dealers out there do this. Uh, A lot of times you just don't know about it because just in the nick of time they paid it off. 
I just don't <coughs> see any car dealers uh, releasing their their car um, after. I mean, <laughs> before they pay off the. Uh, I mean, after they pay off the uh, someone's loan. Well, they would they would want to verify that they had that the that the loan payoff was as 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 indicated. So, so they would uh, if they don't have the money, they're not going to pay it off. Right. I mean, that's that's just what happens. But good point, Tina. And uh, this is Palm Beach Auto Mall. And uh, where are they located? Uh, they're located in Pinellas Park, oh, the Palm. West Coast, Central West Coast. Palm Auto Mall. Palm I, sent you a hot, I sent you a hot link so you'd be able to take a look at the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely a heads up for anybody. And uh, you, uh, you're better off to deal with a reliable dealer. And uh, if you're going to a dealer that you don't know, then you want to be sure that your car is paid off. You want to stay on top of that. Uh, I've, I've seen situations where the car has uh, been months later before they found out. They start, they're still getting uh, payment uh, from the uh, lender thinking they still own the car. And that happens not infrequently. Yeah, and that can very easily ruin somebody's credit yes. who already didn't probably have good credit to begin with. Yes. And another big problem kind of tied into this is a lot of these independently owned used car lots are fly by night. They're here one week, they're gone the next. Or they may end up changing their name to protect themselves from uh, financial backlash due to their previous dishonest practices. But you know what? Mm -hmm. Eventually it catches up to you. And it seems to me, just from what I see in the news, that Florida's cracking down a little bit more on auto fraud on the part of the dealer. They're taking it a little more seriously than they used to. Yeah. Well, the best tool you have when you uh, get flim-flammed by a car dealer is the Florida Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, that department has the power of life and death over all car dealers, used car and new, and they uh, control, they can find them. It's, a, it's, it's not a judicial process. When the DMV says to a dealer, uh, pay me a $1,000 fine, they have to pay the fine. And the what if, if they don't pay the fine, is they take away their license to retail motor vehicles. So uh, you really get a car dealer's attention when you file a complaint with the Florida Department of Motor Vehicles. And they will t- they, they readily will take the complaint, and the complaint will go to the dealer. It won't go to the sales manager. It won't go to the salesman. It goes to the dealer. And if they don't answer the complaint, they are in serious trouble. They can be fined, and they can be terminated as car dealers. When you go to the manufacturer on a new car dealer, that's like slapping their hand. They just, manufacturer will just uh, warn them. They rarely take any action. But the Department of Motor Vehicles has the power of life and death over every car dealer. Yeah, and I'm sure that a pair of stainless steel interlocking bracelets on their wrists will get their attention, too. <laughs> Good line. That can happen, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, they don't usually go to jail. This uh, Palm Auto, that's, that was unusual. Uh, I'm surprised that that he didn't lose his license before that happened. But well, I, he probably did lose his license, and then it happened. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a terrible thing. Uh, I have... I know I've been in the business so long. I know a lot of car dealers that have fallen for this, and dealers, uh, car dealers, deal in large, large amounts of money. They borrow huge amounts of money. Uh, they borrow money uh, to own their cars, typically new cars. Most of the new cars that car dealers have, they borrow money to have these cars, and when they sell a car that they have borrowed money on, they're supposed to pay the bank back right away. A lot of times they don't. And uh, just like paying off the trade-in on a car, sometimes they don't. 
and at least with the banks. The banks come in periodically, count their cars, and want to be sure that the loans have been paid off on all the cars that are not there any longer. If they find cars that are not there, that are not paid off, then they can yank what they call the floor plan, close the loan out, demand all their money back, and uh, for all intents and purposes, you put the dealer out of business. Creates a lot of problems. Happens all the time. Yeah. So, Tina, two very, very important things, and uh, you are really, really... Uh, have struck a nerve because I've seen that happen too many times and consumers have to beware. Yeah, and the bottom line is this is this is just something to think about, especially if you are trading in a car. Make sure the trade make sure the trade in is close to being paid off or paid off before you trade it in because if it's not paid off, you could leave yourself vulnerable. Say for instance you still have seven thousand on a car, if that trade in doesn't get paid off, then you're not only going to have the new car payment, you're going to have your old car payment with nothing to show for it. Sure. Yeah, I make that clear to the uh, salesperson, or better yet, the general manager or the dealer, and say, this is going to be, I want you to understand, I've been burned before, I have friends that have been burned, I want to be absolutely sure sure that this trade, what is the payoff? Uh, Who is the lien holder? This is the lien holder. This is the amount. When are you going to pay this off? And when you put the pressure on them, you'll go to the front of the line. If that dealer's having cash flow problems and he knows you're watching, your car will get paid off before the other guy who didn't raise the issue. Yeah, definitely. Knowledge is power. Being upside down, mm-hmm. trying to trade in your car, what a mess. You know, it's amazing that that people don't even seem to be aware of that when they buy a car. Yeah. yeah. They come, I don't think I've ever heard a customer like be concerned about that issue. Mm-hmm. They just assume it's going to happen. Well, a lot of people don't even know Never what the payoff it. is, yeah. and uh, it's uh, it's something that uh, is usually more than they realize, and it has the effect of affects the true trade-in value yeah. of the vehicle. Uh, uh, car dealers will lead you to believe, uh, don't worry about your payoff, we'll take care of it. They're not taking care of it, you're taking care of it, because they might be paying the bank, hopefully they're paying the bank, and when they do pay the bank, they're adding that to the price of the car you buy. So there's no free lunch. And when you see these big ads that say, uh, uh, owe money in your car, no problem, it's a problem for you. No problem for them. I saw a billboard on the turnpike says, if it runs, it's worth $3,500. Yes. No matter what. That's not true. Mm -mm. (laughs) Exactly. No. As I said, knowledge is power. Tina? Thank you so much for the phone call. Yes. You keep us informed every Saturday morning as a regular caller. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for inviting me onto your show every every week. Thanks, Tina. See you next Saturday. An extended invitation. Have a great weekend, Tina. We're going to go to Fred, who's calling from Jupiter. Good morning, Fred. Hi, guys. How are you? Great. How are you doing? Great. Excellent. I'm a regular caller on sports shows, but my next love are cars. Mm-hmm. I used to work for Ford Motor Company in Detroit, so it's something I'm familiar with. Oh. And I've been to your dealership, which I really enjoyed. Um, I, one point I was going to make, I think no matter how good the dealer is, if the quality of the car they're selling is not good, I don't care how good a deal it is, if it's not a car I would buy, I think Toyota, personally, is the best cars made. I've owned a Camry now for, uh, this is the third one I've had. Mm-hmm. I've never had one mechanical issue with it, not one. Mm-hmm. Tires, brakes, you know, usual maintenance. 
Um, and I think that says something to you. I went to Rosheim because you sold Toyotas. To be honest, if you were selling Kias, I wouldn't have gone to you. Well, I, I, that's, that's very you smart. Feel? That's very smart, Fred. Uh, I will say one thing. Uh, Right. Toyotas, Hondas, uh, you know, there are certain cars out there that have a really sterling reputation, and you got Fiat, yeah. and you got Chrysler, they have bad reputation. Uh, people tend to group cars together by the nameplate. Now, you were with Ford. Ford has some really good models, and they have some really bad models. Yeah. Believe it or not, Toyota, True. they've got some bad models, too. Uh, Toyota, fortunately, has more good models than bad models. If you go to Consumer Reports, right. the thing I love about Consumer Reports is they break it down. Yeah. And they can have, they don't say if you want to buy a car, buy a Toyota. They say if you want to buy a good car, buy a Camry. Because if you also want to buy a good car, you might not want to buy, uh, what's a bad model? Right. Tacoma? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, Better I'm, now. I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> Venza. No, Venza. No. Uh, in other words, <laughs> whether you're talking, uh, even yeah, Chrysler no. has better that's models. A good, that's a good point, Earl. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, a Ford is a nameplate. Some cars are better than others. I worked, I was in management in an assembly plant. Oh. We made Thunderbirds and Lincolns. They no longer even make Thunderbirds, but at one point, mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was like a better car. Exactly. They make a Lexus, which I think is probably the best car. You can buy for the money. I think it's you know it's more expensive, mm-hmm. but a Camry is is almost as good as a Lexus, and it's half the price. Yeah. Anyway, one quick mechanical question, if you would. Sure. Um, I have a, a one a good friend of mine. Unfortunately, they bought a used 2007 Nissan Milano. It's mm-hmm. a, some kind of an SUV. Are you familiar with that vehicle? You know what it is. Yeah, okay. I, I've seen them. All right. Anyway, this is more of a general issue. Uh, the other night, his wife's coming home, and she stopped at a light, and the whole car started shaking. She had to put her foot on the accelerator and to keep it from dying. Now, I had a similar issue a few years ago, and I'm concerned about the ethanol in gasoline now, which is, does not burn cleanly. It's made from corn. And I think now it's what? It's 85% gas, 15% ethanol. You know, what? What? this is an 07. The more modern cars are able to burn ethanol because they fire, they're hotter. Um, what's your comment on ethanol and the effects it can have on the, the performance of your engine? Rick? Well, 90% of the, actually, I'm going to say 95% of the stations all have only ethanol 10 in other words, it's up to okay. 10% ethanol. Um, cars right. are now designed, the modern car, most newest cars, are designed to handle up to 15%, and there are stations with 15%. However, the, the pumps right. are very well marked for it. And they also yeah. have that E85, which is 85% ethanol. Uh, ethanol is really not that big of an issue in most of the modern cars. It acts as a, a little bit of a cleaner and to help get moisture out of the fuel tank. But the E10 really shouldn't be a problem as long as she didn't put the wrong fuel in the car. If she got E15 right. or E85, even a little bit of that can cause some issues. But being an 07, she may be looking more at a fuel pump issue or a fuel pressure issue. Uh-huh. And that's where I would start looking first. Uh, especially okay. if this has got like a return system. 
you know, sometimes those parts start to get a little old, and when you come to a stoplight, <coughs> the fuel pressure drops, and it just loses a little bit of power that way. So I would start there by looking at fuel pressure issues first. Great. Okay, I know. My, my son owns a boat, and the ethanol issue is a big problem with uh, marine engines. Not just two strokes, the four strokes, which are essentially similar to a car engine. Mm-hmm. And the ethanol just does not fire. It's a, caused a lot of problems. Some dealers won't even sell gas with ethanol in it mm-hmm. if you own a, a motor, a boat motor. So it's it's a problem. It's cheaper. Like farmers want to grow corn, but they keep pushing it up past 85, 15%. I think, you know, the car, you have some issues. I just wondered how far back. The newer ones can probably handle it. Maybe the 07 couldn't handle ethanol because yeah. it's just not. Yeah, I, think, I think you got clean. that right. I think you got that yeah. right. And I, by the way, Fred, uh, I appreciate your calling the show. I, you know, you say you regular call That's sports. That's all right. Show. We'd love to have you. I love really you. enjoy your show. I really enjoy your show. You're very knowledgeable. I'll try to call in from time to time. I hope so. I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, and one, right. I, I got a question for you before you hang up. Uh, you were yes, with sir. Ford for a long time. There's a lot of conversation about Ford today in terms of their yes. uh, financial. Uh, Ability and and whether they're going to have the you know with the changes being made so rapidly in the car business, uh, what do you see for the outlook of Ford Motor Company? Do you think they're going to be around in ten years? I have my doubts, Earl. You know, GM and Chrysler both filed for bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Ford sold almost all of their assets. Uh, they're trying to build cars. You know, you got the electric cars coming. There's going to be big time. There's going to be cars with no drivers. Yeah. There's going to be big changes in that industry. You know, I own, when I worked for Ford, the stock was 50. Now it's 8. Wow. So that tells you something. There was no splits. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't buy the stock, and I'd th- I wouldn't buy a Ford, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be around in 10 years. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. I'm glad uh, I asked you because you uh, work for them, and you got, you got a lot more knowledge yeah. about it than I do. So. You eight dollars a share. That's that's a Ford stock now. Wow, I had no idea it was that yeah, low. Eight eight dollars and fifty four cents. I was buying on the stock plan at five fifty four dollars a share. Wow, that was forty years ago. But yeah. it nothing would go down. Wow. So I wouldn't be too hot for a Ford. Some of the trucks are good. Yeah, um, you know every company has things they're good at. The F one fifty is a good vehicle. Yeah, great, great. Some of cars I wouldn't buy for free. Yeah, so, that's know, the that's number one selling imagine, vehicle. That's true in any nameplate. Number one selling some vehicle in the USA. Bad. I'd buy a Camry and I'd buy it from you. How's that? Well, thank you very much. We appreciate that. <laughs> I hope you can call again, yeah. Fred. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Bye-bye. Fred. Bye-bye. Let's go to John. He's holding and has been holding from Palm City. John's a regular caller. Good morning, John. Good morning to everyone. Morning, I John. just want to point out Tina's point about the manufacturer and dealers well, several years back, a new car franchise Ford dealer in Lakeland lost his franchise just for that very reason, mm-hmm. <clears throat> not paying off cars that were traded in, and he totally lost. Earl knows the whole story of him. I do. And that's what I wanted to point out. That's a brand-new car dealer that lost his franchise just for that uh, maneuver. And he was an honest but man. Sp- he, was an, he was an honest man. I know him personally, and uh, uh, he... Uh, well, he, he was an honest man that started doing dishonest things because he had to. And he uh, his argument was, 
uh, that uh, he had, uh, you know, a couple hundred people working for him, and that uh, his his life and his family and his uh, employees' families all depended on him, and that uh, if he closed down, which he had to do because he didn't have the cash to pay the cars off, uh, then everybody was going to be without a job, and so he rationalized it and got in a big, big trouble. So, you know, sometimes bad things are done by good people. Well, we can understand that. But what I want to speak about today is politics and the manufacturers. Uh, I've, I just had a blood test, and they teased me. They said, oh, we determined that in your blood, cars run through your blood. <laughs> but I, it actually goes back to high school. And one of my favorite cars that I followed was Cadillac. And Cadillac was, with Buick, was the first one that had factory air condition. Mm-hmm. Brand new cars, first time installed. Optional and rare and expensive. But what I want to say is, I always admire Cadillacs. I never could afford a new one, so I bought a Muse. Late model, low mileage. Some of them were Snowbird cars. I even went all the way up to Maine, friend of mine, that would tell me he had a real cream puff. And I just enjoyed them. And then Cadillac and GM, I was disappointed when they had the ignition problems. They wouldn't acknowledge it. And the big move that I saw was in September 7, 2015, General Motors, uh, Cadillac specifically, moved their advertising and sales from Michigan, 30 Hudson Street, down in Soho, New York City. They spent $12.7 million renovating five floors in that Hudson Street building. They moved their, uh, well, most people didn't take the move, so they hired new people, higher uh, salaries, and a bad mistake. Anybody could see it. But in 2018, they decided that they're going to move and get them out of there. But they were talked out of it by Governor Como, who gave them $1 million grant to stay in New York City. Mm. Well, that didn't go over so big when the new president of Cadillac in March of 2015 said, we're out of here. Oh, so the million-dollar grant was out the window and Cadillac moved back to Detroit, where it was supposed to be. They're supposed to be in the design and engineering section, you know, for advertising. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say is the politics involved in it not only a million-dollar grant, but GM in the past contributed $31,500 to Governor Cuomo's campaign, and in the past on that, another $140,000. And um, politics involved, it just so happens that Cuomo owns a 75 collectible Stingray Corvette. But you talk about mistakes, this is a big, expensive one, and GM stockholders, which I'm not a, uh, I don't own anything, uh, should be outraged at the waste of money that these corporations can, uh, you know, make. So it's a disgrace. Yeah. But it's a, anybody could see that's a mistake right from the beginning sure. to move out of Detroit. And incidentally, what I enjoyed in 1990, I toured the Clark Street plant in Detroit just before it closed, and I found that uh, fascinating. And at the same time, I visited the Henry Ford Museum. But that was a, uh, a major uh, problem with Cadillac moving out of the plant that they manufactured all the Cadillacs in for years. And then I think in '71, then they started farming them out. I remember in Linden, New Jersey, mm-hmm. they had a plant and other plants throughout the country. But the Cadillacs basically were all made 
in uh, Clark Street in Detroit and Michigan. Yeah, well, John, all the all the auto manufacturers now are struggling. It's really uh, interesting. Uh, Nancy and I were talking uh, at the uh, 50th reunion uh, fair we uh, were at uh, the past couple of days for Toyota, and uh, she was asking about uh, you know, Toyota stock. I just asked a caller about uh, Ford stock. And the bottom line is there are no good auto stocks anymore. All the auto stocks, even the the, the great companies like uh, Honda and Toyota uh, and uh, uh, Mercedes and BMW, uh, even these uh, car companies are really challenged because there's a total transition going on. Cadillac, General Motors, uh, Chrysler, all of them are converting from manufacturing to software. And they don't know the first thing about software because they sublet all of their software needs to the outside. So they have to partner with uh, Googles and uh, Apples and other people that are experts in software. And it's just panic city uh, to be able to get into uh, a completely different business. I mean, they have to reinvent themselves. They're no longer what they were 25, 50 years ago. It's going to be interesting, not to mention what's going to happen to auto dealers, too. Uh, the whole industry is uh, shambles right now, and um, I wouldn't advise anybody to buy any stock in any auto company mm. at the present time. Yeah. Well, Cadillac is really concerned. They're coming out with six brand-new models, mm-hmm. and for years, what they're worried about, they lost particularly the baby boomers, those people are buying Acuras, Lexus, Infinities, and Mercedes. And one of the reasons they thought going to New York City, they wanted to push the urban population. And they thought by moving to New York City, they could get them to start buying the Cadillacs again. But they were up the wrong, barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. Well, Cadillac is, is not a bad car. It's just the fact that cars are an endangered species because it's ride-sharing, software, uh, autonomous vehicles. The cars as we know them today won't exist in 20 years for sure, and a lot of them won't exist in 10 years. So uh, unless you reinvent yourself and you partner with a ride-sharing company like most of the manufacturers are doing now, all the major manufacturers are trying to establish relationships with Ubers and Lyfts and the other ride-sharing companies, and all of them are buying or, or uh, merging with uh, software companies. And the old-school Detroit assembly manufacturing where you sell a car and a guy drives the car, those cars won't be around much longer. Very interesting, and uh, only time will tell what's going to happen. You're correct, 100%. John, thank you very much. Great call. And uh, you do have uh, gasoline in your blood. I think that's what they exactly. Say. He yes. might be related to you. Yes, he might be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just uh, absolutely. <laughs> I read that Lyft has just introduced a subscription service. You pay three hundred dollars a month. You get thirty rides a month. Uh, it's for a, basically you get four hundred fifty dollars worth of rides for three hundred dollars, and you don't you don't have insurance. You don't have maintenance. You don't have gasoline. It's actually a viable alternative to owning a car now. I mean, that's here. I didn't know that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Interesting. So now, how, how, how many rides do you get? You get 30 rides a month, and they count the value of the ride at $15, what they normally charge $15. Yeah, you get 30 of them for 300 But you got to have, I mean, for the average person, no, you need no. more than 30 uh, there's, there's, a, there's a niche of people that that would work for. Like, that yeah. wouldn't work for me, but um, if somebody lives in a city and you don't use a car that often, yeah. that's a lot cheaper than owning but the a car. Con- Absolutely. And the concept is, is, is great because think about this. Supposing it was $200 a month for 100 rides. Mm-hmm. Now, why can't that be? 
Why can't that when, be? When they scale it up, they, yeah, it will when be. You, when you have autonomous vehicles and the cost of the vehicle is uh, nominal because <coughs> all you have is a, the comfort. You have a shell and a comfortable shell and electric motor, so the cost of that vehicle is nominal and you're using electricity and uh, it's all computerized software. Why do you need to own a car for 200 bucks a month? You have transportation, Rick? Well, one of the things just happened just recently, I know personally. Uh, Karen, we see you holding with you right with you. I, I, I'll be with you in just one second, Karen. Thank you. A friend of mine was actually wondering if it's viable to make a living being an Uber or Lyft driver. And as we were talking about this, a few other people that knew about it and had tried it once before said, well, it is possible for a person to make a living doing that driving, but only if you're in a place like Miami or Fort Lauderdale where you can really make the best use Volume. of the time because otherwise it's just uh, their their cost levels now yeah. are going down. It can be pretty lucrative. So autonomous cars would make a great change to that. It can that. be pr very lucrative depending upon your location. Ladies and gentlemen, you are an important part of the show. Please give us a call at 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 877 Excuse me. You can text us at 772 Four nine seven six five three zero, and uh, we're going to go to Karen. Karen's a new caller from Boynton Beach. Congratulations, Karen! You just won yourself fifty dollars. How are you well, this morning? Thank you. thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I've been listening to your show for some months, and uh, and uh, an issue came up, and I thought, no, I think I really need to call you. So I really, really appreciate all you, all the information you give. Thank and uh, I was particularly interested in hearing that Tina drives a Toyota Yaris. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Which is what I'm driving. And um, I haven't had <clears throat> any trouble with that at all, but I have a very strange thing that happens every so often. I can have the car sitting in the garage. Uh, it's off, of course, and it's parked, and it could be hours after I've driven it, and I will hear open the garage door and hear this humming noise coming out of the back of the car. And it sounds as, you know, it, it's an engine noise. Like singing? And it obviously oh. must be in there for a purpose. I don't know, is my car invading my privacy or <laughs> what is going on? Are they collecting data on me? I mean, what is going on with that thing? I was going to ask you if uh, there was any particular tune. tune. <laughs> That's they hum, but yeah, I was that. trying to think what <laughs> tune it might have been. <laughs> it's a kind of a low hum. And it, and it, it, uh, and I, I go and I think I had read in the Swanee book River. that possibly I might hear this, but it, I, I shut the gas cap or I, mm -hmm. you know, open and close the gas cap or do something. Mm -hmm. Nothing nothing changes it, but then it goes away. Rick so. has a knowing look on his face. Oh, right of course now. I do. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> first humming car thought that came to my mind. Uh, actually, what you're hearing is the emission system doing a self-check. It's completely oh my normal. Goodness. Okay. And what what happens is when you shut the car off, the system is programmed to wait about five hours, and then it will do this pressurization test where an electric pump will begin running and draw a vacuum in the fuel system, and it's to make sure <laughs> that there are no emissions leaks so that there's no fuel vapors leaking out of your car. It's federal oh. government mandated because the cars cannot be allowed to leak any sort of emissions. And so it tests it very often 
to make sure that your car is working properly. Huh. Well, thank you. I, I mean, I don't notice it. I guess it'd just be if I went out out there, it and you know, and so it's a couple of times. Uh, yep. So it must be doing this fairly, fairly uh, consistently then over over time. Absolutely. It just yeah. sometimes you just happen to be at the right point where it's quiet enough that you can hear that pump motor running. Oh. And right. it's uh-huh. just testing the system to make sure everything's working properly. And Karen, don't be at all embarrassed yeah. to ask that question because I didn't know the answer. My son no. Stu didn't know the answer. <laughs> I don't think I Nancy did. knew I've the never answer. Heard of uh, it's amazing uh, what we learn on the show. As Johnny Carson said, I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that, and I and I wish all I wish the all. The other, you <laughs> I have one other question here. Oh, great. The the only thing that I I have a problem with this car. My husband, before he passed away a couple of years before, he said, "No, I want you to have a smaller car." So we ended up with this car, and I'm very happy with it. Only the horn is very weak. Can that can the horn strength be increased somehow? Uh, the factory systems really won't do much, but if you go to one of these aftermarket shops, even at Pep Boys, they can install mm-hmm. an aftermarket horn that's much louder. As a matter oh. of fact, you can you can have horns installed that are literally the volume of a locomotive, a and train horn. And, and play Dixie. <laughs> and even one that plays Dixie, if you like, or, or La Cucaracha. Oh, I, I, I got an idea. Maybe you get one that will harmonize with the home. Oh, thank you. And that could be, yeah. 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 That would be nice, like a barbershop yeah. quartet. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that either. The, the, I mean, you're asking some thing, great questions. One more question. Keep going. Sure. I won't keep you too long here. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to put a compass in my car. In my Subaru, I had I had a compass there, and I'm not a high tech person, so I don't have the the phone or the directional system that I could put in there. But they mm-hmm. said no, you can't put a compass in this car. I guess because of the computer system. Oh no! That no. again, uh, stop in at your local Pep Boys. I knew that, and they have these little <laughs> compasses that have all it is 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 a little uh, stick of adhesive pad. And it can oh, stick good. right on your dash, and boom, you'll have a compass right there. And they're, oh, not, they're not expensive. Well, no, the, you much. can find a good quality compass like that is maybe $10. Or you can get one out of okay. a box of Cracker Jack. Well, you could do Excellent. that, too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, and keep up the good work. Well, Karen, Nancy, oh, thank you, Karen. Nancy's Saturday. got 50 bucks for you, I think, doesn't she? Yeah. Well, thank you. You can so get five much. compasses. I, I do, Karen. <laughs> and, Karen, <laughs> the compass you. is priceless, thank isn't you. it? Amazing. Thank you for the call, and uh, stay on the line. Give uh, John your information. We're going to go to a, another first-time caller, right. and that's Pam, who's calling from West Palm Beach. Uh, good morning, Pam. Congratulations. You won yourself $50. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. I can. Well, thank you so much for the $50. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, I have a qu- thank you. I have a question. My question is about... Uh, I drive a 2004 CLK Mercedes and um, kind of tittering out a little bit. And so I'm looking for another car. And I was interested. I was talking to a couple couple friends of mine, and I was asking of them about electric cars. I do a lot of driving. I'm in sales. And so it just seems like I can't really hear the real story on what's going on with electric cars. Are they going to be around? In the future, a lot is that what everything is turning to. Where do you? Is it enough port stations or whatever kind of stations they have that um, can keep you charged up? 
Um, what happens? I mean, what are the downfalls of the electrical system? I mean, that's when the, when my electrical system has a problem that any car I've had in the past is major cost. I mean, um, I, I see a lot of cons more than I see pros, but if yeah. I can charge, I spend a lot of money on gas. If I can <laughs> charge my car up and how long does it last and go, go, go. How many um, miles do you I put a month on the car? Uh, I'm about 50,000 a year. Okay, wow. so you're doing 4,000 miles a, a month. Uh, uh, you're probably driving more than two or 300 miles some days, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the problem now is rain. Yeah. The problem now is range on electrical cars. Uh, if I were going to buy an electrical car today, I'd probably buy a Chevrolet Bolt. Uh, uh, Volt, I'm sorry. And... Uh, uh, that's Consumer Reports ranks the number one uh, electric car, and the price is reasonable. But uh, you are going to have a challenge on range, and uh, you can charge it overnight, and you're good, good for probably 250 miles uh, during the day. But if you've got to go further than that, you're going to have to recharge it. And there are charging stations, but not as plentiful as you might think. Well, isn't the Chevy Volt the one that has the gas engine also? So when the electric yes. charge totally runs out... You simply switches to the yes. gas well, engine the bolt to take you all electric. Away. No, it has a uh, th there's a gas motor that, that will uh, um, that kicks in when you run out of battery. Yeah, but it's only it's essentially an electric yeah. car. Oh yeah, and when she it's said electric, that's the reason yeah. I said yeah, yeah. bolt. So that uh, the bolt has a uh, just a tiny little engine that will get you home again if the uh, right. hopefully I mean th like a 50 mile range if uh, you run out of juice on your battery uh, with a volt it's a it's a hybrid oh, yeah. uh, combination so uh, a hybrid would probably be a better choice for you than an all electric right now uh, Karen I think I mean Pam I think that uh, uh, two or three years from now it'll be a different story and the range of these vehicles is uh, going growing and growing yeah, you're growing. pushing 60 uh, miles per gallon with a hybrid now yeah the uh, Tesla the lowest price Tesla will get you uh, almost 500 miles I believe on a charge but it's a lot more expensive the, che the Chevrolet Bolt and the Chevrolet Volt are much less expensive uh, okay I, I was missing the B and V is it, you know, B is yep. in Bobby I've heard people having a lot of issues with Tesla. Okay. I don't know yeah. myself for sure, and I have to test drugs. Yeah. And that's a very expensive car. And so, I mean, so you're not, you're talking about probably leasing a Tesla? I mean, like, but, but the breakdown, what if the electrical system breaks down? I mean, electrical. are they having a lot of breakdown issues on no, the cars that are electrical now? That's the a big issue with me. The electrical is less likely to break down than the gasoline engine. So uh, breakdowns are not a problem uh, or less of a problem than a, a regular mechanical vehicle. One of the great things about electric cars is electric motors are so simple that there's not as much go wrong with an electric motor as there is with a gasoline uh, internal combustion engine. So uh, I, you're a little early, uh, uh, Pam, in, in going all electric. Uh, I'd, I'd wait. Things are changing so fast. If you waited just maybe two years, you might find yourself something really uh, good that would be the answer for you. And it's just a matter of time before everybody's going to be all electric. But you're just a little early for that, right? Really? That's a little scary, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is when you think, think about it. And so uh, these port stations, will they, will they ever have it? the availability? That will, will consumers be able to... Uh, charge their cars themselves and their 
at their home? I mean, do yes, they have they, to go someplace? Because well, that, that is the best answer. They have that now, and you can have a home charger. And remember, a hybrid char- charges the car itself too. With the your braking on when you brake the car, and you have the electric motor that charges the battery. That's that's the whole principle of hybrid. So I, I'd recommend that you look at a hybrid. They're 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 tried and tested. They're reliable. They're very good cars. You look at Consumer Reports, and uh, look for the uh, recommended hybrid vehicles. And if you choose a Consumer Report hybrid vehicle, you'll have yourself a, a low price, extremely good fuel economy, uh, high reliability, and you don't have the risk that you have with the all-electric range anxiety. Okay. Pam, okay. thanks very much for the call. Right. Yeah, Pam. You know, I appreciate uh, it. Uh, we appreciate you. And besides that $50 that you won, there's so many benefits in listening to Earl Stewart on cars every Saturday morning. And uh, the proof is in the pudding right here. We've been on the air since 8 o'clock and so much information. So thank you again. Give us a call toll free at 877 960 9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And remember that, uh, well, your anonymousfeedback.com, what an important site to go to. And we so appreciate you going there and uh, voicing your opinion. Another, well, very important website, safercard.gov, safercard.gov car.gov with all of the recalls that are out there today it's just uh, uh, something that you need in your back pocket safercar.gov and uh, anyone has any opinions about uh, the thieves uh, getting into your vehicle and stealing those uh, airbags uh, give me a call if uh, you know anyone that it's uh, happened to locally now back to the recovering car dealer we've got some text coming in finally uh, i'm going to give that text number out again because we've really lagged seriously behind not only on text but postings right facebook postings so uh 772-497-6530 that's the text number 772 area code 497 6530 and Sue's got uh, three or four texts over there. Yeah, we got three messages. We got one on our text number, we have one on Facebook, and we have a uh, anonymous feedback. Ooh. So uh, Don, a longtime listener and caller and texter, um, texted us. He says, I noticed this week oil chain shops I visited are not sure if a 2012 Camry hybrid needs full synthetic oil or synthetic blend, and we'll try to sell the blend because it's less expensive. Any comments? 2012 uh, Camry. Let's see, 2012 Camry. I'm pretty certain it's going to go with 0W20 synthetic oil. However, the best way to tell is just look on the oil cap, and it will tell you because a lot of cars in that year were in what we called a transition, and they could go with either the 5W30 standard fossil fuel oil or 0W20 synthetic. My recommendation, though, go with the synthetic. Okay. And then the next uh, question or comment is on our live Facebook page. Uh, It's from Steve, and Steve wants to know how long gasoline will be available for our classic (coughs) and collectible cars. Uh, Now that one, I think we're going to see ethanol-free fuel, which is what he's talking about for those classic cars. That's going to be around for many, many years yet to come, simply because of the marine industry. Boats generally always require ethanol-free fuel, especially for the two-cycle versions, but also a lot of regular, uh, just smaller boats need it. 
uh, there's too many uh, lawn maintenance equipments, lawnmowers. All of these run best on ethanol-free fuel. So that stuff's going to be around for many, many years to come. Golf carts. And actually, we're finding now it's (laughs) easier to get now than it was just five or six years ago. Okay, good. A lot more places have it. All right, so the last one is on our anonymous feedback, youranonymousfeedback.com, and I understand why they wanted to remain anonymous. It might bring up a sore subject, but hello, do you do we have a verdict on applying an undercoat to a vehicle in those regions where snow, ice, and salty roads are prominent? <clears throat> Thank you. We had a disagreement last week, mm-hmm. and uh, well, somebody I, wants I, to hear the verdict. I, I apologize for not looking it up. Uh, I do know that no car dealers sell undercoating anymore, and I do just from my... <laughs> My uh, <coughs> belief is that the manufacturers have begun to treat the undersides of the cars with non-corrosive materials, so it is not needed. Uh, I think there's also, I'm, I have to verify that, but I dropped the ball on not researching that. All right. Well, we're all caught up with our messages. Very good. 772, we need more text, folks. Here we go, 772-497-6530. That's 772 772- Four nine seven six five three zero to text us and Facebook. And we uh, you can go to Facebook. We're streaming live. That way you see us as well as hear us. Just facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Rick, I uh, just wanted to mention that uh, from last week's show. And while we're talking about ethanol fuel, I'm in the middle of doing a uh, um, fuel mileage test. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be fueling up today with ethanol-free Ooh. fuel in my truck. Oh, great. I ran one full tank first of regular fuel to get a baseline mileage, and then I'm going to run this one. Actually, I'm going to do two tanks of the ethanol fuel. That way I'll have two versions to compare, and we'll get an idea of whether the fuel economy increases or decreases or stays the same and be able to work out an idea of what the cost per mile is to drive on regular fuel 87 octane versus ethanol free fuel to see if it makes a difference and now if where it's that worthwhile came, where that came up we had a regular call from for a couple of years and he's called the show well, probably within the last six months mark he's a professional truck driver mm-hmm. and he swears by ethanol free fuel and he uses an app and i looked it up before there's an app that tells you where all the uh, uh ethanol free fuel pumps are there's quite a few as mm-hmm. a matter of fact, yeah. and uh, he says that he just gets better fuel economy. So Rick is going to put it to the test, and we'll let you know and report back to you. Now, remember, ethanol-free fuel, totally free fuel, is a lot more expensive. Yep. And I think you were saying 50 cents a gallon or... 50 to 60, yeah. yeah. So I'll, and I'll be, I've got all that data that I'll be saving, yeah. so we'll, we'll get a good idea of the difference in price per gallon yeah. or the price per mile that it costs. Great for that fuel. Great right information, in. Rick. We'll look forward to the outcome. And uh, we're going to go to David, who's calling us from North Palm Beach. Good morning, David. Good morning. Simple little question here. A neighbor left for two months. He has a four- 2014 Prius, and he wants me to make sure the battery stays charged. Can I just start the car and let it run for five minutes every week, or does the car have to be driven? Rick will answer that. I think it needs to be driven more than that. Uh, Rick, what's your recommendation? Uh, a 14 Prius, the the biggest thing you need to wonder with that one, or, or to keep watch on with that one, is that the battery that actually activates the car, all it really does is it turns on relays to power the car up. 
and then the hybrid battery will spin the engine to start the engine but that little battery that turns on those relays because it's so small and doesn't have to produce a lot it does tend to uh, not last a, l a very good time sitting in and not being used for any length of time what I would recommend is at least once every week to two weeks take the car for about a 25 to 30 mile drive and the reason for that is, is it's not only just to keep the battery charged up, but also to keep the engine seals, the oil circulating and lubricating everything, because those seals rely on the oil to help keep them soft and pliable. And if they dry out over time, you're going to see some issues from that. Very good. You answered my question. Thank you very much. David, Hi, thanks quite welcome, call. sir. Yeah, that's, welcome, a, that's a very common problem that we have with a lot of snowbirds and uh, uh, sometimes they don't even make arrangements. This one, this person was smart enough to ask David to start the car for him and you heard the answer. It gave better to drive it a little bit also. Uh, we see uh, uh, some problems also, Rick, don't we, with the, uh, with the uh, not turning off the remote key detector and sometimes you have a switch where you can turn that off so that it isn't searching for the key all the time which is a drain on the battery right some cars have that although the 14 prius does not does not where do you uh, if you have one that has that sort of a device i guess you just ask the dealer where's the switch to turn that off because if you leave it for a couple of weeks you go on a cruise you come back you could have a dead battery because right. you, because your lock has been looking uh for the key yep uh well on the second gen prius from 04 to 09 it was just a button down underneath the steering wheel yeah and each car may be a little different so yeah check with the dealer or the owner's manual and it'll show you where that is very good well, we got some text coming in. I see Stu's got four marks on the board. All you got to do is ask. Yeah. All right. Well, the first one is from Marty. And Marty wants to know what part of the sale gives me the greatest negotiation leverage? The out-the-door selling price, the monthly payment, the discount percentage off MSRP, or the trade-in price for my car? That's Marty in Palm Beach Gardens. Marty, that is a great question. Uh, the, uh, the, the best thing you want to have is the out-the-door price. Uh, the problem with that is you got to be sure it's out the door. Every car dealer has a different uh, definition of out the door. Uh, to me, out the door, well, let's put it this way. The true definition would be the full price, including tax and tag. What you would write a check for. What you'd write a check for. Now, you can't Mickey Mouse that around, and that's what I would ask for, and then I would shop that price with the competitive dealers. Uh, payments are something that you can't really negotiate because there's too many other factors and variables. They can play games with you on the payment. You can lower payment just by stretching the term out from 36 to 48 months. It changed the interest rate, a lot of other things. Uh, your trade-in is probably the worst thing that you can, it can get you a lot of trouble. Never negotiate the price of a car by what they allowed you on your trade-in. They can give you anything you want on the trade-in just by jacking the price of the car up or by raising the interest rate on the financing. The only fixed thing that you could rely on is the out-the-door price. Now, if you have to, you can take tax and tag and add it. Just be sure this is government fees, sales tax and license plate because they will call a lot of other things electronic filing fee, they'll call it tag agency fee. They have a lot of names that sound like tax and tag, but they are not. Out the door, including everything. As Stu said, I'm going to write a check, I'm going to my bank, 
I'm going to bring the check in. I'm going to put it in your hand. I'm going to get in the car, and I'm going home. What is that number? What is that price that I could put on the check? They can't. That's about as straightforward as you one can. Of the, one, of the, one of the little tricks that uh, uh, I used to play back in the day, probably might even played it fairly recently. I hate to admit this, but uh, we'll have a person come in with a price. And they say, the dealer told me that he could sell me the car at this price. Will you match the price? Well, <clears throat> you can get on the phone and pretend to be the customer's banker. And you say, hello, uh, this is uh, Joe Smith. I'm the loan manager at uh, Bank America. And Mr. Jones is sitting here, and uh, he wants to uh, have me write out a check to buy the car. And you're talking to the bank now, or you're talking to the car dealer. What is the amount that you want me to fill this check out for that I can give to Mr. Jones so that he can buy this car with that check? And then that's when they start hama, 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 because they won't give you an answer. That's a good trick to play. That's a great trick to play. On a dealer. On a dealer. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were about to confess to something <laughs> evil you did like last week or something. No, we know. No, I'm like, so we do this on behalf of the company. Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> you said trick, and I, I got scared for a second. <laughs> he was leaving. <laughs> he's, he's regressing. Total transparency. <laughs> yeah. Total transparency. That's a good one. Back in time. Uh, next text. Okay. Uh Let's see. Uh, we have Jeff in, in West Palm. Uh, it's probably for Rick. It says, do you ever see Toyota coming out with anything diesel? Uh, believe it or not, there are a lot of Toyota diesels worldwide, but not here in the U.S. Toyota's had a problem. Excuse me. Just a second. <coughs> Sorry about that. Toyota's had a bit of a problem getting their diesels to meet the U.S. standards for diesel engines for imports. Uh, apparently, they've made well, them Toyota, a lot tighter. Toyota had a problem of being honest and saying that their diesels didn't meet the standards. Unlike BMW, uh, Volkswagen, and two yeah. or three other manufacturers that came up with an ingenious device that tricked the emission control test to think that they were clean. And right now, there's virtually no clean diesels, and Toyota was just honest enough to say, we can't do we it. Can't we cannot right. meet the tight standards yeah. in the USA. However, they are working on it, and they do want to get Toyota diesel trucks to st- as, a, as a foot in the door. But worldwide, the Toyota Hilux and uh, the Tundra and several other yeah. vehicles are diesel in Overs- other countries. Overseas, yeah. And they do some amazing things. I think they even have a diesel Avalon. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Another factor in there is the cost of diesel fuel. And uh, sometimes diesel fuel, uh, it's been a while, used to be real cheap. Not anymore. And it's not cheap anymore. So in Europe, diesel fuel is much cheaper than gasoline. And so they have more of a demand for diesel vehicles because it's less expensive to operate. Yeah. Why would you want a diesel vehicle in the United States when the diesel fuel costs more than the gas? You just put cooking oil in it. Yeah. Okay. Right. So text. the next one we got is from Paul and Jupiter, and we're gonna we're gonna limit the answer on this one. <laughs> it's another ethanol question, but Paul wants to know if you can combine uh, ethanol versus non-ethanol fuel. Is that a bad idea? Uh, if you're talking about just having some of one in your fuel tank and topping up with the other, as long as you're not exceeding the ethanol concentration that your vehicle can handle. In other words, if you have ethanol-free fuel in your vehicle now and you put in ethanol E10 rated fuel, you're totally safe. If you were to put in E15 
and your car is not meant to handle E15, I definitely would not do that, okay. ever. Okay, great. Uh, we have a text from a J. I don't know where it's coming from. I read that Uber is actually deploying a fleet of flying cars, more precisely, electric drones that carry passengers. Do you see this as an actual viable transportation system in the U.S., Mr. Stewart? I, I think so. I think that, uh, I, think, I believe that's in Dubai, and uh, I think drones are a great source of transportation, and I believe in Miami Beach right now, you can take an Uber helicopter. Ooh. And uh, they, uh, they also have Uber boats mm. in uh, Miami Beach. And uh, a lot of these things are just getting off the ground. I believe eventually we oh. will have... I ble- <laughs> that was a pun. I didn't know I said it. Uh, I believe in, in 10 years there will be flying uh, ride-sharing. That's really cool. I'll get in one of those <clears throat> yeah. after I'm heavily sedated. Exactly. <laughs> okay, next question. It's a text. Uh, we don't have a name. It's anonymous. Uh, it's for Rick, though. This is for Rick. I was reading the car forum with Toyota Master Techs, and they said 5W20 is like water. Also, the 10,000-mile the oil change was instituted by EPA and gives Toyota a kickback for that. Second question, can you use C-Form? Okay, well, as for the first one, <laughs> 5W20 is non-existent. That doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, 0W20 is what you're probably thinking of, which is the synthetic oil. And yeah, it's it's actually a very thin oil. However, in engines that are designed for it, it works quite well. And as a matter of fact, in the new 19 Camrys, actually 18 and 19 Camrys, we're now running 0W16 oil, which is even a little bit thinner. Uh, as for the EPA giving kickbacks to Toyota, and I would have no knowledge of that whatsoever. I consider that to be a political thing, and I'm a mechanic when you come right down to it. I work on cars. I don't, I don't get in the politics side. Well, of I'll comment on that. Uh, and, and there was no kickbacks from EPA to any manufacturer, but there was a real huge push to synthetic oil and one of the reasons the manufacturers push synthetic oil is because of the the fuel economy standards and the mandatory fuel economy standards and the the when you build cars to a tighter tolerance you need to, to for more fuel economy you need the synthetic oil and you can squeeze out a few more tenths of a mile per gallon with synthetic oil. Synthetic oil actually is conducive to a little bit better fuel economy. And so I was violently against, I won't say violently, that's a figure of speech, but I was mentally against, (laughs) I was mentally against uh, synthetic oil because I I knew, I knew that the manufacturers had a double motive. Uh, Synthetic oil now, I've accepted it, it's a good thing. Uh, but at the time it happened, I was mad because I thought they were forcing the, the car buyers to pay twice as much for the oil so they could get three-tenths of a mile per gallon more yeah. to meet the, the uh, statutes, uh, the standards, the law on standards. So, But it's good stuff. Yeah, it doesn't really cost you that much anymore because you only have to change your oil half as often. If you have to pay twice as much, change it half as often. It's a, it's a wash. That's right. Okay. okay, and the final part of that one about the sea foam, uh, I just looked that up. It's uh, 
another one of those fuel additives and my opinion again snake oil on 99.9% of those it does state that it's a fuel stabilizer sea foam you mean the 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 uh shaving cream in the sea i mean the uh, <laughs> well know, that's what i would have thought fluffy yeah. white stuff yeah. but uh, no i think this is just another it's it's available from Walmart for six ninety seven. Seafoam, okay. I, yeah. I, I mean, when, you know, when a wave breaks and you see all that white stuff, that's seafoam. That's seafoam. Right. That's you put exactly that in, what it is. I wouldn't put that in my gas tank. No, I wouldn't do it. No. All right, so we got a question on our Facebook Live video from Linda, and she wants to know if the 2016 Highlander has one of those switches to turn off the, the search for the key fob. Not let, let me take this one, Rick. I'm I'm sorry, Linda. Um, the 2016 Highlander does not have that switch. <laughs> It does not have that switch. Hmm. How'd you know that? Uh, Rick already answered answered her on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, this, I think this. We got one more. We got one more. Sorry, uh, they were piling in. You shouldn't ask. Uh, is the black smoke? Uh, this is from uh, Paul in Jupiter Farms. He wants to know: Is the black smoke I see coming from diesels bad for the environment? From Paul. Oh yes, it is. That's actually in the industry they call it particulate emissions. Oh. And that's actually heavy amounts of carbon. Rolling coal. Ro- yeah, the rolling coal thing. And believe it or not, it's actually a result of the diesel fuel not being completely burned. And for some reason, there's this great big thing among these diesel truck drivers that they all... And I, I'm talking the pickup truck drivers. Yeah, they, they, they floor it and a lot of black smoke Exactly. Out. But they actually, a lot of them actually go in and they find ways to connect in through the computer and they adjust the way their truck runs to make it burn a lot more fuel use a lot more fuel wasting it just so they can create these huge clouds of black noxious smoke is that legal it's well technically no really yeah but it's not something that the police are really going to pull them over for unless they're doing it in a very egregious manner right you know right in front of them and it's it's one of those horrible things that is yeah it's ruinous for the environment it's yeah. bad for your health it's obnoxious and it's just another unfortunately it's, it's, it's bad one for of those children people do and other living things yeah. yes it's like probably black lung kind of thing oh yeah it's almost like cold exactly dust. Yeah. exactly yeah. but it's even worse it. because it's being oh. forced right at you right yeah. into your lungs okay uh, uh, another text came in this is from Cliff in Coral Springs. This is a Rick question. Um, is it true the viscosity of motor oil gets thicker when hot and that the 10 in 10W30 is the weight cold and 30 is the weight hot? Do I have that right? Nope. Backwards. Oh. <laughs> the hotter the oil gets, the thinner it gets. So the 0 or zero, 10W30, 10 is the thinnest the oil will be and 30 is the thickest that it will be. So 10 is when it's nice and warmed up. And 30 is when it's ice cube cold. Okay. Thank you for clearing All that right. up for us. Uh, somebody did comment on the <coughs> seafoam. Somebody said that they knew a friend that had twin 175 Suzuki's, and he used seafoam in his gas tank, and it messed up his engines. Hmm. So mm-hmm. he said his mechanic told yeah. him never to use that. You know, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the German for seafoam is Meerschaum. Is it? And I used to good. have a pipe. When I smoked a pipe, it was made out of Meerschaum. Ah, mm. it's very interesting. I have no idea why I mentioned that. Yeah. Well, now it's in my well, brain. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Great information. Great information. 
great information. Uh, we're going to, uh, I'm going to discuss a young lady's problem. She's got a, this is, I think this is a, a Rick show today because he's had so many questions. Uh, but uh, she recently bought herself a Honda CRV. And uh, four months out, she finds that uh, her vehicle, her SUV is stalling out. And mm. uh, she didn't notice that there were any recalls. Uh, it is, I believe she said it was a 2019. Can you answer that? Can you help her? Oh, well, the first thing I'd be doing is basically I would run it until the tank is almost completely empty and refuel with a good source of fuel. Uh, one of the issues that we see in South Florida is water gets into the fuel tank, and, of course, water and gas don't mix. So the water will actually form a little bubble down in the bottom of the fuel tank, and as you're driving around, it moves around, and when it gets sucked up into the motor, the motor just shuts off for no reason. And they got something yeah. you can pour in your gas tank that'll make that right. Well, absorb that's, that. That's actually what the ethanol is. Ethanol, or alcohol, acts as an emollient. It actually allows a little bit of that water to mix and bond with the, gas, with the ethanol, and then it can go through the engine safely because the ethanol also bonds with the gasoline. So there is something good to be said about ethanol. Exactly. Huh. It works almost like a glue between the water and the gasoline mm -hmm. so it can safely mix them and burn it through. But if you've got a lot of water in there, the ethanol in the fuel can't really work well with it. So we recommend a product called dry gas. Huh. Pour some of that in the tank and see if it helps. But if she doesn't see any change within a just a couple days on this, I would get to the dealership because the 19 is going to be under warranty yeah. <coughs> and get it checked out by a qualified Honda mechanic. You heard it right here uh, at Earl Stewart on Cars. Uh, so many benefits in listening to the show. We've covered a, a, a whole lot. And we have the Mystery Shopping Report coming up. And I want to remind everyone to please vote on the Mystery Shopping Report. Uh, see where this Mystery Shopping Report uh, leaves the Gallup poll. See if it uh, goes up or down. And that uh, Mystery Shopping Report is from uh, Jensen Beach uh, Stewart. Is that correct, boys? That is correct. All righty. <laughs> okay, I think we're on a, we're on a, we, on we a roll here. We, What's yes. our text record? Are we going to break it? Uh, post text. Yeah, we're, we're halfway through the show, or a little bit more. Uh, no, we have a lot of text. Um, uh, today's theme is definitely gasoline. And we have Carol on our live Facebook who says, I have filled five, six five-gallon containers to have for my generator if we get a hurricane. How long can I keep it before that goes bad? Uh, well, I, I see her question here, and she says, how long can I keep it oh, before, you put before it in the I put it in the car? Yeah. I would have, if, if you've had it in a sealed container, gasoline container, I would say no more than a month to two months at the most. Really? Simply because that container can still collect water. Now, I thought. Water vapor. I thought that if you had fuel, that you used the proper preservative uh, kind of thing in there that would last indefinitely. Well, the problem is no, because unfortunately water vapor can still get into that gas that's down in there. And I've actually seen what almost like a mold or an algae grow in the water down under the bottom. Hmm. And then people pour it in their tank. And I've actually had a customer came in that we had to replace their fuel tank hmm. because it had this brown mold algae slime wow. in the tank life and no matter what i did I, I i had the fuel pump out and was reaching my hands in the tank 
and I could not get it all out because there was so much in there. So I talked to this survivalist one time. I think Stu knows yeah. who I'm talking about. And he wanted to trade some gold for a car. Yeah. And we got to chit-chatting. And he said that he had a 10,000-gallon or a 5,000-gallon tank of diesel fuel so that when the wheels came off right. and the rebellion ha happened, yeah. he says, I said, how long have you had that? He says, well, I've had it now for eight years or ten years. And he says, but I have it preserved so that it will keep it fresh and to use when I have to use it. Well, if, if, you, if you plan for that and you have the proper equipment to keep it that way, yeah. then that can be done. We just had a big tank. Right. But he, but he put stuff in the... And the tank, yeah, and that was going to keep so it. So you so. telling me, so like but in those shows, risking, like The Walking Dead, it is that. not realistic <laughs> that they're starting cars four years into the apocalypse. Yeah, that <sighs> pretty good trick there. Destroyed. Well, if you're li if you're listening, Mister um, Prospective Survivalist customer, yeah. uh, you better check your tank. Right. See, and, the, and of course, the, the real problem is most people are using these little five gallon cans from yeah. Home Depot. That are vented so that they don't burst oh. by building too but much pressure. But maybe if it was sealed, up, maybe so. if it was sealed, airtight, yeah. and you had and, and put some seafoam in it. Seafoam. Yeah. I'll put the seafoam. <laughs> Mearschman. Okay. Uh, one more comment, and then we're going to give Rick a break. <laughs> it's uh, uh, should I wait? And this is from Carol on Facebook Live video. Should you wait until the end of your lease, or go to the dealer a couple of months ahead? Well, the dealer will probably come to you a couple of months ahead, <laughs> and uh, you won't have to worry about that. But you definitely don't want to wait if he forgets to the end of the lease. Uh, you need to start shopping and considering different vehicles. Uh, you need to start, start thinking about leasing versus buying. And uh, do your homework and uh, check Consumer Reports. Uh, don't wait until the last minute yeah. when the pressure is on you. Uh, the dealer and the manufacturer will probably come up with some motivations to keep you in the family. Yeah. And that's the reason that dealers love leasing so much. Not only do they make a lot more money when they lease you a car than when, when they sell you a car on the average, but they also have the string on you. Yeah. And they require you in a lot of ways to come back. Well, you have to come back because you got to give them their car back. And when you come back, they can they can assault you yeah. with all sorts of be, be a little Be a little coy. They'll come to you. They'll come to you. Okay. And uh, if you don't release or rebuy from them, there's a penalty. And this penalty could be three, four, five hundred dollars $500, I suppose, higher. In your lease contract, there's a, uh, what do we call it, Sue, the uh, lease disposal. Disposition, disposition fee or, di yeah, or lease disposal. Uh, disposal disposition fee. And you don't see that. That's in the fine print. So when you lease a car, you've got to lease the next car and the next car and the next car from that same manufacturer. You can go to a different dealer, but you have, if it's a Ford, you have to keep buying or leasing another Ford. Otherwise, you have to pay that three or $400, $500 penalty. Uh, you will also get uh, offers like, we will pay your last two lease payments or something like this, or we'll give you a special rebate, uh, and so on and so forth. So, uh, But start thinking about this six months before your lease is up. Okay, uh, I have a uh, text from Sherry, quickly. Uh, Sherry is interested in uh, air pressure uh, tires and uh, a few maintenance tips. And uh, she asked me about the uh, gas stations and getting, you know, air and 
getting her tires maintained there. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't go to the gas station, Sherry. I don't. Uh, I really believe that the uh, the public uh, pressure gauges are at the gas stations are are abused and unreliable. And uh, I carry a pressure gauge with me in my glove box, so I recommend that. Number two. Uh, Sherry's asking about uh, the maintenance, if it's just as important to take care of the uh, valves and uh, also the caps. Uh, Rick, whether you, uh, you can add to this, but my opinion is that they're very important to maintain. Uh, first of all, the, uh, the tire valves uh, are, uh, I, th I believe that the valves are made of rubber and they tend to de deteriorate. And remember, they hold all this air in your tires and they keep your pressure uh, where it should be. So these three, uh, these two items, the valves, the caps, make sure that you do maintain them and get yourself a pressure gauge and check your pressure from time to time. And one important, uh, one important detail, check that pressure whenever your tires are cold. I hope that I was able to help you out. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Uh, the lines are going crazy. We're going to go to Doug, who's been holding in Boca. Good morning, Doug. Hey, Doug, is Hi, that Ollie's Doug? I missed the sunrise today, but um, I, I got you guys uh, Earl. <laughs> um, wanted to know we about see how Ollie. we sent a picture of Ollie watching your show. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick it up or still hand it to me. I'm going to show. Yeah, that's Ollie. <laughs> Ollie is our official kitty cat mascot for the Sunrise Club, <laughs> and he watches the sunrise. And now he's watching Earl on Guards. That is awesome. And uh, Doug belongs to Ollie, by the way. <laughs> that Does is Ollie awesome. have a question for us, Doug? <laughs> I think he wants the car, but I told him he can't drive one. Oh, oh no! no. Laptop, and we won't get him his own laptop. Ah. Good morning, Diane. Sim. <laughs> Sim. <laughs> Pardon me. I gave you the wrong. I gave you the wrong wife. Good morning, Sim. <laughs> How cute. Um, I wanted to know about the gimmick. If it is a gimmick, uh, my dealership says, "Oh, we're going to put nitrogen in your tires instead of regular air." Yeah, that's uh, one of the favorite ripoffs of most car dealers. Uh, Doug, uh, is, you know, the air we're breathing right now, the air that's in your tires right now is 78% nitrogen. So uh, that's probably one of the tricks is they just fill your tires with, with uh, air to say you got nitrogen, which you do, 78%. Uh, Consumer Reports did a test a few years back. They took every um, tire sold in the United States and they filled it with uh, pure nitrogen, then they took this another tire of the same description, they filled it with air, and they tested it for a complete year, and at the end of the year they said there was no noticeable difference in yep. uh, the uh, permeability of the air and the nitrogen, and that you're uh, if you want to use nitrogen in the tires, it's fine. If it's free, it's fine. But if you have to pay for it, it's not worth it. So uh, don't waste your money, Doug, on nitrogen. It's a source of uh, profit to the car dealer. Appreciate it. And one, one more question. Um, is Toyota going to ever make a fully electric car like uh, Tesla? Yeah, yes. they will. They were a little late to the oh, party. Yeah. Uh, they uh, kind of poo-pooed the uh, all-electric, and they started out with the hybrid, which was a great success. And then they uh, evolved to the hydrogen fuel cell, 
and that didn't really catch on. And so now they're they're really reevaluating. Akio Toyota, chairman of the board of Toyota, uh, is uh, starting a complete new company, uh, totally different from Toyota. Yeah. And the company is one of ride-sharing, autonomous, uh, no-ownership type vehicle. And you heard Stu earlier, he was talking about Lyft has come out <coughs> with a package deal for 300 bucks. You get 30 rides a month. Uh, the world, according to, I think, what Toyota's looking at sometime in the future, will not involve car ownership at all. It'll all be just using cars. Yeah, Toyota promised they said they would have some form of electrification on all of their models by 2025. Yeah. Not necessar- necessarily in the United States, but in yeah. around the world. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. You have a great day, everyone. Thank right, you. Doug. I think Holly, so. see you at sunrise. Okay, don't forget we have that mystery shopping report coming up, Doug, so we're expecting you, Sim, and Ollie to vote on it. Thank you so much. Our phone number is 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Now back to the recovering car dealer and our mystery shop of computer cars. That's of Jensen Beach Stewart. We have a text. It's a follow-up from Cliff, and uh, this is directed at Rick. It says, uh, I googled the oil question. I thought Rick was right until I read otherwise. It says clearly the 10 represents the weight cold, and there are properties in the oil that makes it 30 weight when hot. I am confused. I was surprised myself. If I'm right, did I stump Rick? Do I get 50 bucks? If you stump Rick, Ooh. you get 50 bucks. I I may have stated it wrong too. All right, let's uh, let's well, uh, play. Let's uh, go benefit the uh, benefit of the doubt. Well, let's clarify Cliff? this. Let's clarify this. Okay. So so uh, the the uh, the point is, he says that the 10W30, the 10 is the weight cold, cold. and the 30 is the is the weight hot. hot. Right. Now, what does the weight mean? I mean, uh, well, viscosity, the, uh, I do know that Rick was right when he said the hotter the uh, the oil, the lower the viscosity. Now, if viscosity is measured by 10 and 30, 30 sounds like a higher number than 10. Well, so, the, the weight is, or th- is supposed to be the viscosity, and the higher the number means the thicker the oil. So oh. technically, the the way it's actually meant to be is that 10W30 is simply a range stating that the oil can handle, it has properties it can handle from being what a straight 10-weight oil would handle to what a straight 30-weight oil would handle. Therefore, if you wanted a 10W50 oil, it can handle much higher temperatures, whereas a 0W20 oil is meant to handle more reasonable temperatures down to the cold temperatures. Okay. Well, if you'll give us your contact number, if you call back in, we'll give you the 50 bucks anyway. Yeah, I, right. I think that one, I, I kind of misstated that one. Uh, that's uh, You clarified it for me, and I understand it better now. I don't think you were wrong. I think it was just a matter of terminology, weight, and viscosity. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was surprised that uh, you didn't hear from a listener when you offered $100 earlier in the show as to uh, the advertised price. I, I'm glad, the I'm door. glad you tax reminded and me of that. Tag. Yeah. $100. $100. If you Give can find an advertisement that you can buy the car at the advertised price. Now, isn't it silly we're talking about this? You can find an advertised price at Publix, at the Apple Store, at Nordstrom's, at Sears. They're going out of business, but they're still in business now. You go to Target. 
any advertisement that you see, you can buy the product for the advertised price. All I'm saying is, with all the car dealership advertisements, show me one car, new car, that you can buy the vehicle at the advertised price, and I'll pay you $100. No calls. Okay. Shall we go to uh, the Mystery Shopping Report? Let's do it. Yeah, we should do it, but one moment, please. Uh, Jennifer, I'm going to get to your text after the show and uh, answer your question about the Monroney label and what it means. It's a little lengthy, so we only have time to get to our Mystery <coughs> Shopping Report. Thank or, you so much yeah, for the Yeah, we text. can do that after we finish the report, and if you'll just remind me. This Mystery Shop was of commuter cars of Jensen Beach in Stewart. And the very first Takata Mystery Shop we ever did was commuter cars of Port St. Lucie way back in June of 2016. Mm -hmm. That secret shop set off years long, over two years, a series of investigations that were, would reveal just how recklessly the deadly Takata recall crisis is being dealt with by sellers of used cars all over Florida. Boy, two years. Hard to believe. Mm -hmm. Commuter cars was the first to be shopped, and they were the first to fail the Takata test uh, back in 2016. They made no effort to disclose a deadly recall on the 2008 Chrysler 300. They tried to sell to our, they tried to sell to our mystery shopper, Agent Blue. Mm -hmm. Agent Blue. Yeah. Whatever happened to Agent Blue? Agent Blue, you're not going to believe me. Works for JetBlue now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> now you're going to, people think we're nuts. No, it's true. Okay. <laughs> Given this history, it was almost poetic that we found another Chrysler 300 with a passenger side to cut airbag recall at commuter cars this week. This time, it was a 2011 model, and it was at their Jensen Beach location. We identified and confirmed the recall, actually two recalls, there was another defect that could result in the alternator starting a fire. That's always fun. Uh, and on, we check these all, of course, on safercar.gov, Carfax, AutoCheck, and Chrysler's recall site. That's a pretty sure way. You check all those sources, you're pretty sure you're going to get accurate information. One will not do it. We, we see about a 30% uh, failure rate with the Carfax and AutoCheck. And even the Chrysler or the manufacturer's recall can be yeah. off. It's all a matter of timing. Yeah, it's yeah. timing. So check all four. Agent X went to see if anything had changed at commuter cars. I'm speaking the first person as if I were Agent X. I called ahead as usual. You know, I say that every time. And the reason I say that is that uh, bait and switch advertising. Yeah. Uh, too often our mystery shopper has been burned. Uh, we see a car, we want to check the price out on, check the airbag recall out on. You get there, oops, we're sorry, we sold that car. Got on the phone, yeah, got it Five right minutes here. ago, we just sold that car. Right. Car just, but we got another one just like it. So we. Wait, right here. Yeah. I'll be right back. Right. And this is a good lesson for you to learn when you're shopping. If you're going to shop a car, you'd be surprised. You're going to save yourself a lot of gasoline and driving time and aggravation. If when you see an advertised car, Call the dealer, say I'm on the way in, it's going to take me a long time to drive there, I want to buy the car, I want to be sure. Don't disappoint me. And now, <laughs> if they say this, <clears throat> this is a little reach here, but try this. If they say, 
we will hold we can't hold the car without a deposit but if you come right in we're pretty sure it'll be here say okay I'm gonna give you a deposit and give me a credit card number you can always take the credit card number off Good you idea. can stop payment on the credit card that's the thing I like about credit cards and they can't charge you for it if you don't use it so that way you really call their bluff. Now, if they start hemming and hawing, then save yourself the trip. You know. Always confirm the car's there and make them hold it for you. Okay. Uh, I've run, and they've run into this problem before. Uh, Community Cars has three locations, Jensen Beach, Stewart, and, and Fort Pierce. And we're going to the Jensen Beach and Port St. Lucie. They also have a confusing website. I was able to determine that the vehicle was at the Jensen Beach location. I spoke with a sales manager named John. He was cer certain it was physically there, and we arranged a 12.30 appointment for me to come and see it. I arrived on time, parked my car in front of a small pack of salesmen. We often refer to salespeople when they gather together as packs. I was looking for another name for a collection of animals, Yeah, <laughs> just to throw you off. We used gaggle before. Pack, you know, gaggle. gaggle. A murder. Herd. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cackle of hyenas, but I didn't want to be yeah. too offensive to the salespeople. So the pack of salesmen, uh, <laughs> ignoring the eyes on me, I made my way over to what appeared to be the Chrysler 300 I came to see. One of the salesmen broke away from the group, approached, he introduced himself as Mar Mauricio? Mauricio. 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 And asked if I was the one who called about the 300. He said John asked him to keep an eye out for me. I thanked him, gave him my name, and asked if he had a key. Mauricio did not, but he offered to go get one. He asked me to wait and ran inside. A few minutes later, I was startled by the sound of the engine and the Chrysler starting. I look up to see Mauricio walking toward me, pointing the remote and looking very pleased with himself. It's got remote start, which is cool. Nice touch. It is a nice touch, yeah. He says he opened the driver's door for me. Mauricio climbed in the passenger side, cranked the air. I asked him if the car had been inspected, and if so, uh, were there any mechanical problems found? Now... We call this our three questions. That's the first of our three questions. We always do this. And we really are putting these people on notice. It's good for the shopping report because it proves what we're trying to prove. But it's a good idea for you as a shopper yourself. When you're really serious about buying a car, ask the three questions. I mean, you got enough problems when they lie to you. But if you don't ask the question, you're just setting yourself up for a really big problem. So ask the questions. The first question we ask is, are there any mechanical issues? Uh, Mauricio said it was inspected, and we have no issues. Okay, that's not true. He went on to emphasize that a commuter has a 90-day, 3,000-mile warranty that comes free with every car they sell. He suggested we take it for a drive, and I agreed. We are very low on fuel. And Mauricio directed me to a gas station. I sat in the car while he pumped. I noticed an indicator on the dash signaling it was time to change the oil. Hmm. I asked Mauricio about that, and he said the mechanic must have forgotten to reset the light after they had changed the oil. And I acted as if I accepted that. And it, was, it could very well be true. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that this happens too often. It's just carelessness. And when you have that happen... <coughs> It happens at my dealership. It happens at other dealerships. A technician 
never the computer scientist, but just regular technicians can make that mistake. They have to reset the button on that. And sometimes they just don't do it. Back on the road, I asked Mauricio if the car had ever been in an accident. He said he would check auto check and pulled out the phone. He tapped on the screen for a few seconds, a few seconds and then reported the car had been in a minor accident. We returned to the lot and parked. There was a loud clicking sound now coming from below or behind the dashboard. That's embarrassing, you know, when that happens. I asked Mauricio what it was, and he replied confidently that it may be, and I'll listen carefully, Rick, <laughs> it may be the air conditioner blender vent. <laughs> I hate it when my air conditioner blender vent clicks. You can make smoothies with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tried not to laugh. But he thought, thinking fast, right? He actually was pretty much on the... Oh, he was. But it's actually going to be a, a solenoid... It's a little electric motor that moves those blend doors ah. to change the temperature you know, right, let, and let, where the airflow right, let's goes. Let's be fair to Mauricio. Agent X wrote blender. He could have been blend door. It very and that's well where, could okay. have been a blend okay. air conditioning blend door vent. The the little solenoid. What happens is when they start <laughs> having a problem, mm -hmm. they'll try to move, and it's like it makes a clicking okay. noise. Okay. Well, we yeah. owe there we go. We owe the uh, right. sorry for laughing. Mauricio an apology. So that one, yeah. yeah. I was just because Stu but, and I but, were but dumb enough. But Blender sure is funny. One. It, is, it did sound funny, but it's not funny. It's true. I popped the hood and tried to check the oil, but the dipstick wouldn't budge. Yeah, that one's really not funny. I pointed out to Mauricio. He said it's because it was too hot. Yeah, that's... Uh, is that for real? Know, when, the, when the dipstick nope. welds itself to the crankshaft, it's really hot. That's when yeah, you have it got a hot. It yeah. got hot. I hate when that uh, happens. I mean, it doesn't expand and get stuck if it's. Uh, yeah. Well, the only thing that I've seen is there's usually a, a rubber O ring, and if it has not been checked in a long time, that O ring dries out and it sticks. Lodged in. Yeah. Gotcha. So you've got to really break it loose and then lubricate it with some oil. Gotcha. If it's been, if it hasn't been removed so long that the O-ring dried out, that means it's probably never been checked. I mean, Not uh, in a man. long time. We yeah. closed up the car, went inside to talk numbers. I told Mauricio that I was going uh, through my credit union and I would need a detailed buyer's order to take with me. Yes, this would be a problem. I asked if this would be a problem, and he said it wouldn't. But he immediately went to the sales manager, John. John came over made some small talk and asked a few questions. He didn't attempt to get me to finance with them, but he did ask about the rate and terms that I was getting from the credit union. That's fair. Yeah. I told him I had some concerns with a car. I mentioned the clicking noise and the dipstick. I said that these were red flags. I wanted to feel secure in my new car. I brought up safety. I asked him how was I to know if it was a safe car. John told me that they would be sell they wouldn't be selling it if it wasn't safe. So we had all the questions and we did not have honest answers. John asked me if I knew the price of the car. Uh, I replied that I saw it online for $14,862. He then said he needed to speak with Fred in the shop about the clicking noise. He said that he may have to raise the price to account for additional work the car might need. I mean, I guess that's an honest, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean. I'm ambivalent about that. But I, I'm ambivalent. Uh, I mean, you could make an argument that they didn't fix it, they should have fixed it, and he came all the way to look at the car, they should fix it free. But by the same token, 
I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. I asked him to ask Fred if he thought the car was safe, and John reassured me, once again, again. that the car was safe. Now, remember, this has got two dangerous recalls. And uh, we've asked the question twice, the same question, number three, twice. We've been reassured. Uh, he excused himself to go call Fred. I watched John in his office for over 10 minutes. Uh, Mauricio was out of sight. John got off the phone and began working on his computer. I walked over, asked him what the deal was. He said he was waiting for Fred to call him back, and he couldn't put any numbers together until he knew the clicking was something expensive to repair. I said I didn't have time uh, for this and asked if he could give me the numbers for the car as is without the repairs just so I could get an idea of my total expense. I said we could work out the details of the repairs if necessary. Later John agreed and printed a buyer's order out for me said it was his best deal. Okay, he charged me 14862 which was the online price, added a $387 dealer fee uh, which is a world's record low dealer fee. That's the lowest dealer yeah. fee Def- most that uh, we've in seen. In Florida, yeah. In Florida. <coughs> I had a sales tax, a $225 fee for tag, title, and registration. That was it. Out the door was uh, $16,438.94. Uh, commuter cars failed the Dakota test. Failed uh, very seriously. Again. Very seriously. Uh, It'd be awfully, it'd be awfully difficult uh, if you looked at the uh, auto check report. The accident was reported right next to the Takata recall. Yeah. It would be virtually impossible not to have seen the Takata recall. Let's let's, let's show this. Yes, on, uh, on exactly. And uh, side by side. So while he was reading the accident, uh, which was in rear center, said nothing about a minor accident, by the way. Damage reported rear center, and then right next to that was the Takata airbag recall, and the Stooges showed you side by side. So we think that he saw that, and we think that that was a deliberate misrepresentation, some would call a lie. Re- regarding the accident on the auto check report, uh, we, I just mentioned that. He called it minor. Uh, they didn't say it was minor. They just said it was in the center of the car. It was damaged. Might have been minor. Uh, commuter cars uh, does earn points, however, having, as I said earlier, uh, the lowest dealer fee that we've seen in many, many years of shopping. Uh, I did notice something on their buyer's order. They had an electronic processing fee, but they didn't feel, fill anything in there. So we don't know how they do that. The buyer's order was printed out with a blank for the computer to put a number there. And remember, we're giving them credit for 387. They can program anything into the computer they want. It wasn't printed, pre-printed on the buyer's order. And they did have two dealer fees, so just as a matter of observation there. Well, is is that two or one? Because the 225 for the tag title and transfer... According to this, doesn't it come up after the sales tax? Well, that's because there is no sales tax on the tag title. That's correct. Right. So that that's technically not a dealer fee. That's the government fee. Yeah. yeah okay. Fee. So they only had one dealer fee of the three. Well, they seven. only charged for one dealer fee, but they had a place for two. Uh, they have so the they dealer service. Have, yeah. yeah. They have dealer service fee, and it's just a matter of the business manager, the <coughs> F&I manager. He could have put 
he didn't put 387 under dealer services. He could have put a thousand dollars, but he yeah. put 387, and he could have put 200 dollars under electronic processing fee, but he didn't put it in there. Mm. We're just saying the potential was there for a higher yeah. dealer fee. Yeah. Uh, so there we have it. There's our there's our mystery shopping report. Uh, we love to hear the votes uh, from our listeners. Do you have a we, Do you we, have a lot of response? We, ha- we have votes coming in. I've never seen something so unanimous. Uh, so it, Linda on Facebook gives them an F. Steve on Facebook gives them an F with a capital F. Mm. <laughs> Ed gives them an F. Jen gives them an F. Crystal gives them an F. And Doug. And Ollie, give him an F. Ollie is a tough. Uh, yeah, he's a tough ju- uh, judger. He's uh, there's, this is easy to calculate the GPA on this shop. This is a zero, a big failure, big failure on commuter cars. Well, uh, Oop, Jeff, Jeff votes an F. <laughs> yeah, everyone's all. Yeah, that's amazingly overwhelming. Uh, well, let's poll our panel here and uh, see how they feel. Uh, Stu, you want to go first? I'm going with their, with our listeners and commenters. We have another one popped in, F, and Ollie says meow. I think that translates to F. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Nancy, what do you think? Well, I'm looking at this, and uh, I see zero disclosures, zero. And uh, just to remind everyone, we're dealing with human beings. These human beings get behind the wheel of a car. And when you're asked three or four times, you know, if the car has any mechanical problems, you know, you would think at that point, it might ju- you might just like wrap your head around that and think, gosh, do I want to put this person behind the wheel of a car? You know, am I that desperate to make, you know, some money on this, this deal? So it's, I give them an F. And uh, if anyone is interested in uh, going over to uh, computercars.net and voicing their opinion about how, well, Computer Cars at Jensen Beach uh, does business, go ahead over there and uh, voice your opinion and your vote on this vehicle. Rick? I'm going to go the herd animal and say F. Yeah, I'm following right with the group. Yeah, well, it's pretty uh, pretty obvious we're going to fail uh, commuter cars, and uh, we still are grading on the curve because of all the other dealers out there that we checked the Takata airbag and other recalls on. There was some semblance of a mention. Usually, we had to squeeze it out of them. W- could we give them an F plus for having a low dealer fee? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's still a fail. <laughs> But, uh, okay, we'll give him an F+. Plus. You know, that really uh, caught my eye, that, that dealer fee that yeah. was extremely low. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw a $385 dealer. Like mid-80s. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in this case here, the reason that we gave them such a bad score was because we practically showed the report of AutoCheck with the recall, practically, almost, didn't quite do that, and say, and held it up while they looked at it and said, is this car safe to drive? And they said, yes, it is. Right. And we've checked it. We know they looked at it because they looked at it to see the fact that there was an uh, accident. Yeah. And the accident was right next to the recall. Yeah. Sometimes they're separated by a couple of pages. Yeah. In this yeah. case, it was yeah. right there. So 
you can't give them the benefit of any doubt whatsoever premeditatively they try to sell the car and remember when a car has a recall it costs the car dealership nothing yeah. to take it to the Chrysler dealer and parts are available for this recall and parts are available so it was just a matter of expediting and selling the car quicker I mean, I wonder if we'd have given them the check and gotten in the car to head out. They said, oh, by the way, maybe you ought to go have the recall fix. Probably wouldn't have even done that. Oh, no, no. So no. that's the reason we gave them an F. <coughs> and it's, a, it's just a shame yeah. that commuter cars uh, went the full cycle. Two years ago, they were doing this. And after all the publicity, same model still car. doing the same thing. <laughs> same car. And who is the real villain here? It's the regulators. It's the legislators. Why can it be? What they did, we gave them an F, and we're putting them on, putting them on our do not buy list. But what they did was perfectly legal. It's perfectly legal to sell a car with a dangerous recall, not tell the, the customer. And even when the customer asks you, there's nothing illegal about that. And I've said that so often, I'm getting tired of hearing myself say it. Mm. So, uh, we got political season here. We got the midterms coming up. I challenge the politicians, anybody, anybody. Show you care. Show you care. Uh, who are the candidates for governor? Andrew Gillum is the Democrat, and Ron DeSantis is the Republican. Okay, half of you are voting for Gillum. Half of you are voting for DeSanti. People listening to this radio show. 20,000 people listen to this radio show. Most of you are voting, as I said before, half for Gillum, half for DeSanti. Can you tell me why neither DeSanti nor Gillum have mentioned dangerous recalls? I mean, much less mentioned the fact, if elected governor, the first, step, first thing I'll do will be to sign an executive order making it illegal in Florida to sell a used car with a dangerous recall. Did you just announce your candidacy? <laughs> hey. 2022? This is a political... If, if I were to run, I wouldn't have a snowball's chance in hell of being elected because I would tell the truth. You're too honest. You'd never get elected. Well, I'm not going to. I'll pat myself on the back. I'm too honest to be elected mm -hmm. to public office. Yeah, and that's the reason. That's our system. But can I shame somebody in there? Some of you folks out there are probably in tight with DeSanti and with Gillum. Uh, you have an inside. Call somebody. Call somebody and ask them why they won't just mention it. That might be a fast track. That might be the few votes toward the end you might get. It's too late for the lobbyists to take away your money. You've already got your money. Campaign is almost over. Just say, hey, if elected governor, be the first. You're, you're getting some support on Facebook for your candidacy. Good. <laughs> if elected governor, will DeSanti sign an executive order making it illegal to sell cars with dangerous recalls? If elected governor, will Gillum sign an executive order making it illegal to sell cars with dangerous recalls? Nobody, you know. The silence is, is deafening. We haven't heard from any, anything from them. Okay. 
Uh, do we have enough time to address the issue about the Monroney lib label on the... I think we can do it quickly. Uh, Jennifer, you asked about the Monroney label, and I'll, I'll directly answer your question. And uh, the Monroney label is a window sticker, and uh, that window sticker is mandated by the federal law, and it's affixed to every single new vehicle in the United States. And it stays there up until the time that you overtake uh, the, uh, the ownership of that vehicle. Uh, I will, uh, and th this all began with uh, Mike uh, Monroney, and this went back to 1956, 58. And uh, actually, that uh, there is a law, and I doubt very much if it's in force. I've not heard of it, but there is a $1,000 fine for tampering with that Monroney label. So I hope I answered let your me, question. Let me tell you why it's important, the, uh, why the Monroney label is a good thing. You should never buy a new car without seeing the real Monroney label. There are phony Monronis. There are dealer addendums. Don't be confused. L look for the real official Monroney label. Yeah. It gives you a, a basis of comparing apples and apples when you get competitive pricing. If you get discounts from a Monroney label and you compare it with discounts from three different dealers on that same Monroney label, you can get a fair idea of who is selling the car right. for less. And, and the Monroney is important. And also, uh, at this point in time, we all know that the car dealers have found a way to invade to evade this this law and it is a very good law and they have found a way to tamper with it so as i always say knowledge is power buyer beware we have uh probably two minutes left and uh i want to uh earl do you have anything to add yeah i just uh, read a there's a really uh interesting article and the New York Times this morning, it's in the business section. And if you go online or you have a copy of the paper, it's about car insurance rates that go up based on the wrong side of the street on zip code. Hardly, uh, you should always, the bottom line without reading into the article, is always check your insurance rates with different auto insurers. Uh, certain insurers will charge the same risk-based customer on one side of the street, uh, five or six hundred dollars more annual premium Amazing. than the person on the other side of the street. Yes. Uh, depending on which side of the street you're on, you should also check at least three or four insurers and compare rates. Uh, Allstate seems to be the once one of the best ones in terms of being fairer in terms of this sort of zip code uh, discrimination. Yeah. So check your S insurance premium into. with three bidders. Yeah. They, uh, that uh, particular topic got a lot of air time, and uh, being on the sunny side of the street isn't always the best side of the street. So compare your numbers, compare, compare, compare. Three comparisons whenever you're picking your car insurance. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you so much for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars right here on Saturday mornings from 8 until 10. You're an important part of the show. We wish you a very nice weekend, and we will be back next week with a lot of information and a lot of entertainment. Have a